Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spech. Hello. How's it going, Derek? Good. I wasn't here last week, was I? And neither was I. So, oh, we, yeah, I was yeah. then. That was a recorded ahead. You're was, away, so we recorded I was ahead. away, and since I am here... And I'm actually here now, too. Then apparently I was not murdered oh, yeah, by my you wife. you survived. Your wife didn't murder you. Yes, yeah, she did. You know why? <laughs> You'll find out later why. <laughs> she let you live? <laughs> she let me live because we never went, did the two-miler. <laughs> I, I, when I first walked through the door, the first thing I said to her, hey, how was your trip? Are you, are you getting divorced from Siobhan? Or Sh- Sean? Siobhan? <laughs> Sorry, it's too close to my wife's name. <laughs> I said, you and Sean getting divorced? She says, no, no, it was a good trip. So she was happy with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, Like I said, we'll talk about the trip later, but uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty decent uh, trip. What's that breathing I hear in the background? That would be one... John Van Berger. How you doing, John? Heavy breathing, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> First, you were, you were yelling at us a minute ago. Now you're breathing heavy. You're... To say we've had tech issues is, yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, a, we're having a few issues. It's but, a struggle. You know, it is I, what it is. Speaking of struggles, can we talk about Derek's hand before we start <laughs> talking about anything? Yeah. Well, it's, it's I just, think... It's nice for me to hear that... You know, I'm not the only one that hurts myself somehow. And it's always <laughs> nice to start an episode off with making fun of Derek. So <laughs> nice finger, Derek. Shouldn't we be making fun of John or something? No, no, he hasn't done anything to hurt himself yet. Yeah. So Derek, far. Derek has walked into the studio this evening with this massive bandage on his thumb. Like picture a giant cucumber, but white. And like that round. It's like I got an oversized uh, marshmallow on my thumb. Yeah, like four or five of them. <laughs> and, and what you see there is not uh, blood. That's uh, that's hot sauce from wings I had for supper. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't get any hot sauce in the wound? So you cut your finger, Derek. You got some stitches. I I did. I, uh, I'm, I'm on vacation this week. And because I couldn't do the Missinabi trip to Moosney, uh-huh. so I'm doing some project work around the house. Like? Taking fingers off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> I have uh, too many fingers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a spare one. I've got another thumb. It's not my paddling. Anyways, man. I uh, I was reaching into the table saw and I got a little too close and uh, it felt like a you know a kickback with a piece of wood. Well, this was a kickback with my arm. My thumb contacted it and drove my whole arm back, and uh, I lost a, lot, a small chunk of flesh, some bone, and uh, yeah. So uh, the doctor, I, the doctor as well. I can only give you so many stitches because there's not really much to stitch to. <laughs> oh, so it's a really jagged wow. open hole. So he gave me four stitches. That's the best he could do. And uh, he had trouble doing it too. He had to pull a couple stitches out because they kept, like, wouldn't hold. So, yeah. yeah. Antibiotics wow. because uh, I lost some bone. So that's fun. That happened today. It's <laughs> like four and a half hours just, plus an emergency today. I just don't know where to start. <laughs> I just yeah. really... They took x-rays and, x-rays and everything. And First I, off. You know <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, John. I'll let you in on this one. Well, well, I just wondered if this wasn't his way of... Because he is on vacation this week, out of getting out of more work <laughs> later in the week. No, it just means oh. now the work that I have to do is... Uh, Postponed. It's be, no, it's, I can't postpone it. It's that honeydew list that Siobhan has. Yeah. <laughs> oh, can you do this? Can you do no, that? This oh, yeah, is, let me do this. This is my list. Yeah. This is me organizing. I, I'm building shelving 
for all of my camping gear so it can be perfectly organized so it's not all in the basement and you know jammed into a corner in this in the storage room and stuff like that it's got to be all it's going to be all shelved with uh, rolling drawers and everything now it's all in the corner of the garage covered in blood <laughs> some of the wood does have blood on it some of the wood has blood on it <laughs> the entire wall has blood on it based on the pictures yeah. I saw of your thumb dude mistakes were made <laughs> and I tell you it's um, it's throbbing it uh, hurts like hell right now well it's the whole part where you start with well I was reaching into the saw <laughs> yeah your yeah, words not mine do you know what the most painful part Today was other than the weight, other than the, the, four the and a half contact hour of the spinning blade mm, with nope. your flesh. That was so quick, it barely felt it. Yeah, and then it went numb. The most the pain- hot sauce? <laughs> no, not the hot sauce. <laughs> the wings? <laughs> no, the most painful thing. He he called it a uh, uh, a ring anesthetic or whatever. Anyways, he jammed a needle in about six places around the base knuckle of my thumb, so it froze the mm-hmm. entire thumb. Mm-hmm. But the the needle was the most painful thing. It's yeah. like... Why would he put it in a needle? I mean, it's gaping wide open. Why don't you just pour it in? <laughs> just pour it on, yeah. Just be done with it. Save yourself a needle, a couple of cents. Just pour this baby right yeah. on. And th- I had... There's like six or so holes around the base of my thumb with blood seeping out of the needle holes. It's like, what have you done? <laughs> I got enough yeah. holes in my hand already. <laughs> my thumb, the open flesh was stopped bleeding, but there's... Then all the needle holes were just, it looked like I had snake bites all around my thumb. Wow. It's like, what have you done to me? <laughs> wow. I, I mean, I'm sorry you hurt yourself, Derek, but I have to tell you how thrilled I am that it's not me telling the story about how <laughs> I hurt myself on an it's, episode. It's here. normally you. Well, you <laughs> yes. know, John, this yes. is day what of your trip on the Erie Canal? Uh, day two. Of uh, how yes. many days? About 30. You got plenty of time. <laughs> There's lots of time to get injured. You got lots of time for you to be telling yeah. your stories. Well, you know, and even when I said it, I thought, I'm probably going to go over tomorrow, you know. I'm going to be upside down the canal for a bit yeah. after having tempted fate like that. Yeah, yeah. Wisconsin yeah. man in the Erie Canal gets attacked by <laughs> a pelican or flock of seagulls or, or something. Yeah. yeah. 80s punk or new wave bands are... Yeah. are back and they're cruising <laughs> the canal right. on that and new wave and they're looking for blood <laughs> yeah <laughs> so john tell us about your trip yes well yeah it's a uh, second day was today i um started you know we talked last time that i was on about do i take the kayak or the canoe mm-hmm. and essentially thought you know i'm taking the canoe i can do that and as time got closer and i started thinking about the water and safety it was like you know what take the kayak and so five days before the trip started i was like you know changing everything up all the gear and and food and you know everything um just because i thought when i get the bigger water it'll be safer to have that and the other piece was when i get to some places where i'm going to have to pull you know, the pull the boat out um, and up around if I have to do anything with any of the locks or, you know, any of the boat docks, I thought it's better if I take the smaller, uh, smaller uh, yak. So, yeah, so I decided that uh, to bring the yak. And so that changed up a lot of things, but I am here with it now. Awesome. Yeah. Any, any yeah. problems at the start of the trip at all? Um, not really, you know, um, I, uh, 
I met up with a, a well, I, I, I did a little bit of prep work. I ran around New York State. I went to some of the uh, historic sites so I could get a you know better idea of what I'm going to be seeing. Right. And uh, went over to Syracuse and uh, took a, a tour around the Erie Canal Museum. That was really cool. And uh, uh, tour guide over there, um, John Tonello, it, it took me on this tour. And, and, and it's this cool building. It's like it's actually the museum is part of uh, the Waylock building where they used to weigh the barges on the canal so they know uh, how much tolls to charge them. And oh. uh, so, yeah, so it's really cool. And you go in, there's like a, a canal boat a replica, and you kind of go through all this stuff. And, and it turns out that, uh, with two exceptions, the other people on the tour, as it happened, were all his family. <laughs> so it's like, hey, this is kind of cool. I didn't, re-, you know. And uh, so we're talking at the end. I was talking about the trip and stuff. And his wife, Gina, says, well, hey, you know, we'll have to get together when you're over this way. So, you know, and, and all of the places I went, people have been really cool. And um, I'm staying with my friend uh, Tommy and his wife, Rose. Right. Um, near Elba, New York. And uh, have started doing some of the first responder visits uh, that we're going to be doing with the trip or, you know, that I'm doing out here. And that was cool. So I went down to the Elba, the volunteer fire department. And yeah, it's just been a lot of really cool people. And uh, spent Monday just kind of sorting through and getting finalized on gear. And then Tuesday I put in over in Tonawanda. And now, was that where you were going to put in or you were going to put in because you were worried about the... Uh, but this is when you were thinking the canoe about the big water going in. Yeah. Like- yeah. And, and a, a gent named, uh, Bob Van Hise, who's, uh, who I know on Facebook, but I've never met in real life. He lives in Tonawanda and he said, no, I tell you what, if, uh, once you put here in a, a Neawanda park, which is, which is, uh, along the Niagara river, you paddle about a mile up and then you just swing into the canal. And right. so, uh, he came down and paddled with me for about the first four miles or so. And so that was kind of cool because you get, you know, like a local tour guide, right? Right. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that was cool. And uh, my friend Tommy is acting as a support crew, but he is, I'm going out paddling, and he runs around, checks out the local, uh, you know, some of the local microbrews and craft beer places. And uh, so, you know, he's enjoying it too, I think. Well, and you're spending the nights at his place, correct? For the first, yeah, for the first uh, maybe week or so, okay. uh, yeah, I'm coming back here. And and so, you know, it, it feels weird, though, right? Because it's when I do other trips and through paddles, I'm, I'm always, you know, camping along the river. But Throwing up a tent a at the end of the night. Yeah. And it's a little different here, though, because, you know, you are in some, um, you know, you're going through towns and there's not always places where you can get out easily. Right. So, you know, so to to have the opportunity to come back here is awesome. And, you know, so we come back and hang out and have a brew. And, yeah, it's a, it's been great. Sounds like you're kind of half-assing it, if you ask me. <laughs> 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 I, I tell you what, I have a month, so that gives you enough. I, the border's supposed to be open on the 21st, right? Is, that's the last Oh, is that I the last? I don't know. I, I've For been us? way up north in the middle of nowhere. Like, you can cross the border well, now. We can't. Yeah, but but see, I think you guys should come down here then and paddle with me. That sounds like not a bad and, idea. And you can camp out at night along the canal, <laughs> and, and I'll come down here. We'll, we'll be on our side of the canal. You'll be on your side. <laughs> Stay on your side of the canal, buddy. 
<laughs> no, it's uh, it's it's pretty cool. Today, I, um, I went through the Lockport locks, which are these huge locks with like a, a drop of fifty feet each one. And so, you know, to be in there in, in your kayak, and I was the only one in my locks. Um, that was really cool. Yeah, um, the Go GoPro didn't like it and crapped out on me. So, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> redo. <laughs> Yeah, so tomorrow, because I, I only paddle like maybe maybe a mile and a half or two miles after that. Right. So I think, seriously, I'm just going to get up and go through it again tomorrow morning. Yeah, well, find out what time so, they open and just get make yeah. sure the GoPro's going. And uh, the minute the door's closed, yep. it'll crap out again. Oh, yeah, you know it, right? <laughs> you absolutely that's know what they, that. I've got, yeah. I've got two GoPro 9s. And mm-hmm. they do the voice activated thing, right? So GoPro, start right. recording. Yes. And they weren't doing it. so you have to have a stern voice. Like you're <laughs> like you're 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 mad at Go your bro. Child. <laughs> GoPro. Start recording. <laughs> and boom, they start going. I'm like, well But okay. if you ask it nicely, it won't do it. I want a pushover. I'm not doing that. Oh, he's mad. I'm gonna end up at the bottom of the lake. I better turn on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I uh, I think for two mile a two mile penalty, right? It's it's worth going back in for. So yeah, yeah I think right I'm going to do that. Yeah, and it's it really is cool. I mean, it is you know it's it's something very unique. So um, you know it's a it's a big drop, and uh, the lock uh, the lockmaster is a really nice guy, and so yeah. So I think I'll do that tomorrow. And uh, today, uh, yeah, a uh, the guy who I may have mentioned him last time I, that we talked. Uh, Jeremy Kosis, who's the guy who has uh, hiked it, bicycled it, and has now paddled it. He completed his through paddle yesterday. Okay. And uh, drove up here to Elba and uh, sat down with me and, and kind of gave me some, actually gave me some great information about, you know, places to stay, and one particular stretch of the canal, a 16-mile stretch, where if you're in a kayak, you cannot get out. There's literally no place where you're able to get out. So Ooh. that was that was good intel. Yeah. You know? You better so, st- yeah, but it's... Better stop that- for a, a, a pee break and whatnot before you hit that section. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So uh, figure out where to stay the night before. And at that point, then I'll be camping along the way. So. Yeah. Um, figure out where to stay and then, you know, just say, okay, well, 60-mile day and have at it. Now, are you uh, sore from your couple of days of paddling? <laughs> well, I'm not sore from two days of paddling, but I'm sore from two days of sitting. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got a sore butt today. But, you know, beyond that, I'm fine. Awesome. I, I mean, my, my my fingers and my hands and thumbs, everything is, is in much better shape than Derek's. Wow. You're not missing any parts? You got some slices, because didn't you reach your hand into a mandolin? Oh, yes. I'm uh, sure I don't know what you're talking about. Not the musical oh. instrument or the... Uh... The the apple slicer, as it were. Yeah, I, I kind of sliced my hand up a little bit before I left, but I didn't have to go to the hospital, thankfully. Yeah. Look at these fingers, Derek. Do you see any cuts on these hands at all? <laughs> no. No. They do I'm look surrounded soft like, by weenies. They do like a, look soft like an office worker's hands. Aren't they, though? Look at that. Look at that. It's like, yeah. 
get some proper hand lotion on every day and <laughs> wash them, get the nails manicured. manicured. <laughs> yeah. Look at those babies, man. Should be a hand model. <laughs> uh, so you're enjoying it so far, though, eh, John? Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, I mean, it's only day uh, two, but... Yeah. Right. But, uh, you know, it's, it's like a slow-moving river. Um, you know, you see some old historic, uh, what look like old historic uh, buildings or frames of things, you know, in the woods that are overgrown. And, and there's a biking and running, you know, path along the way, the old mule path. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you see people along the way and chat with a few people here and there. And yeah, it's been great. Awesome. Well, yeah. we're, I know you got uh, a few things you got to take care of for tomorrow and you got to hit the pit there. And uh, so we'll, uh, we'll let you go, but we're looking forward to hearing you. Yes, more updates. For, yeah, I've been, I've been monitoring you on Facebook and stuff, so it's uh, it looks pretty cool. I've been seeing you get some. Oh, and you sent a. You, I see you dropped a, a video of getting a, a, a drop, like you know, a whatever a food drop or something like that. So right from the bridge, uh, we, I get to live <laughs> vicariously through you. A food drop from a bridge. I'm not sure I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> certainly couldn't have been my friend Tommy way up high on a bridge dropping supplies down to me. Not on, at all. On a long rope. <laughs> <laughs> Splash. <laughs> Catch. Actually, he said he was going to tie them to a rope and and drop them down to me, but just keep it out of reach. That's the kind of guy he is. <laughs> oh, it's a pinata thing. And see, I, exactly. my, my thing was I would have aimed for you <laughs> just to make yeah. sure you got it. <laughs> Which is why you are not on my support crew. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd be nice if the uh, the border did open before your end of your trip. Yeah, and we could seriously come down. on down. If if it does, you know who knows what's going to happen, right? But yeah, they should open the damn border. Yeah, yeah. We we so, got our vaccination yeah. papers. Yeah. I've got my papers. So, my papers. Come on down, and and you know you could bring down a tandem canoe and. Derek could sit all feeble and hobbled up in the yeah we can <laughs> the bow we of can, it and we'll come down with a pair of kayaks. No, we show up with the canoe and then as he's paddling by, we hoist a, a puppers at him and say, "Keep paddling, buddy." <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, if you're going to stand on bridges and drop puppers down to me, you are welcome down here at any time. Well, it'll, it'll be what we drop after the puppers is done. Yeah, <laughs> empty, empty cans. cans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, we'll let you go because I know you got to get some things done here. Thanks for coming on this week. Uh, yeah, thank you. We'll be following you along and uh, get you back on here as, as you go and uh, chat about the fun things you're seeing. Yeah, sounds good. I look forward to it. All right, well, you have a good one, buddy. Yeah, take care. Be safe. Okay. Take care, guys. <laughs> Bye. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. Uh, hopefully, John has a good time on his trip there. Sounds like uh started so far. Any big, any big trip like that is like it's those epic kind of trips. I, I would, I would love to be on it with him. It'd be a, it'd be a really neat trip. Yeah, and your first couple of days, you get the feel for 
you know, the, the beginning, yeah. and then you get the excitement yep. starts to you take a bit of the excitement off, and you get into the, it the plateaus routine. out, and you get a routine. You learn yeah. your day to day business, and this, so it's the first couple of days are like, oh, what, how's this going to go? How that going to go? And then you get into the groove of it. And it's I, usually for me on longer trips that you know two weeks. I, I it you know by about day three or four, it's like yeah, yeah, this is starting to get into the into the flow of it. Yeah, right. Good old rhythm. Well, we were up in Tomogamy, Tracy and I went yes. up to Tomogamy. Um, we had one route. We we're spo- Well, the, basically the route you did. Yeah. We were going to start up in um, Moat Landing and paddle on all the way down and come all the way back. Uh, a bit farther than where you but we were going to start up there. But then we got an invite to the changing of the season ceremony. Uh, Alex Mathias is an Ojibwe elder uh, from Tomogamy First Nations. And he lives in his tribal ancestral lands on Obabaka Lake. Um, so that's where he holds the seasonal, the, the changing of the season ceremony. So instead, we, we, we turned our trip around and we parked at his place. The nice drive into his place. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it was like driving on silk. Oh, yeah. No. Okay, I was going to say that's. <laughs> I've been down some of those roads. I've been to Obabaka. Yeah. It's like a rock garden. In some oh, places. you haven't been up his driveway part though. You stop at the <laughs> gate, right? Yeah, you haven't gone far there. Um, I had to tuck my mirrors in. Yeah, and the side of my truck and was scuffed sticks and the <laughs> canoe and the roof was being hit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, whatever. So we drove to his place, started our trip from there, so we could arrive back in time for the ceremony. Um, so the first day was supposed to be a long day and it got cut short by a thunderstorm. And this was the beginning. We should have just turned around right there. (laughs) (laughs) This was the beginning of the theme for the week, which was thunderstorms. Apparently there was some down here as well, but. Yes, we had quite a bit of rain. So we, we paddled up, up, uh, a bit of a babaka, um, down through uh, uh, Wakimaka and into Diamond Lake, the southwest side. And just as we got there, thunder started. So we hit the first campsite to get off, just opened the sea line bag, pulled out the, the Kelty tarp mm-hmm. for connection points, right? Tree, tree, pinned to the ground, tree. The last, just as I finished tying the fourth connection site, it just opened up. <laughs> Torrential rain and hail. Oh, wow. Yeah, we got some nice hailstones too. Nice. Uh, so that sort of ended our day because we were actually supposed to still paddle all the way across Diamond. Oh, okay. And I mean, that takes a while. So uh, we were stuck under our, our tarp. So we were right off the bat, half day behind at least. Yeah. So after um, the portages that day, just sort of thinking the portages that we still have left and everything like that. And I was kind of humming and hawing. I said, you know what? Instead of making this a travel, 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 travel trip, why don't we just paddle to the other end of, of uh, Diamond Lake, pick a spot, because there's a couple of nice spots there. We'll set up our our camp. And we'll explore for a few days, mm-hmm. right? So we'll be up that way for a couple of days exploring. So that's what we did. We got up the next morning and uh, did a nice leisurely paddle to the far end of Diamond, found a campsite, made camp at 120, 
and the skies opened up at one thirty. <laughs> so you you were done making camp though. So you're just ready for done. it? Yeah, just done making camp. Uh, well, we had set up the tarp, First, put everything yeah. up, set up tarp, and we were looking for the spot to set up the tent, and it started. So we <laughs> had to wait for a rain delay to set up the tent. Yeah, uh, it rained on and off all afternoon and the evening, and. Um, so yeah, so we're for sure, you know what, this is just going to be a regular old mellow trip and, and whatnot. Uh, we had our first OTG meals. Oh yeah. What do you think of that? Beef lasagna. Yeah. Wow. That was, Randy's yeah. made a good one there. It's the good. beef lasagna is, is it, you'd swear you just scooped up a big yeah. thing right from the pan. Yeah, right. it, you would never know that it was freeze dried. It was yeah. just it came. It comes right back. And yeah. It's like, oh, this is this is really. It. And it, his meals are fantastic. They're really good. The uh, so we also tried the uh, so there's chocolate chip, chip cookies as well as uh, cheesecake. So mm-hmm. the, the, we uh, didn't even rehydrate them. Just ate them as is. So good. The kids love them. We also got the chicken and dumplings. Okay, how's that? Tracy had it. There was corn in it. Oh, and a you could need a ton eat it. of other vegetables. His chicken and dumplings are not what I remembered as a kid. Chicken and dumplings, <laughs> okay, totally different. So I just looked at this big bag of vegetables, yeah, and uh, opened up a happy yak or something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that beef lasagna was really good. First night, like we're thinking, oh, this is going to be because this is the first trip where we're doing the freeze dried non. Home dehydrated. Oh, okay, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything was either Happy Yak, um, Alpenair, mm-hmm. or OTG meals. Yeah, right. So we we've never done that before. So that yeah. was sort of a first. Uh, that night we had a campfire again and watched the stars come out and clouds disappeared. So we're figuring, all right, this is going to be a nice, nice uh, night. Uh, day three was a very thick fog morning. Like you could barely see anything. I kind of like mornings like that. Well, it's just as long as that doesn't hang around till three. Yeah, but yeah, yeah but it, uh, a nice it's, foggy morning. You know what? It, you you get up, you take a couple of pictures. You know it's not burning off for at least another couple hours. So you get back in, you hang out in the tent for another hour, just dozing on and off and relaxing, sort of thing, right? Uh, that was the day we decided once it burned off, we're going to go up the lake to uh, see. There's petroglyphs on the north end of. Diamond Lake? Yes. Yeah. So we saw those, went through Lady Evelyn Falls. Lady Evelyn Falls, don't picture a big waterfall. It's like about a one-foot drop. Oh. And yeah. narrows. So mm-hmm. uh, I just lined the canoe over that. And then there's Indian Head Rock. Um, yes. There's a certain way you look at it, and it actually looks like an Indian head. Yeah. Me and Mike, we went, we visited that. It's it's really cool. You can, yeah. So you can see the face sticking out if you come sort of parallel with the island. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see it the first time I was up there. Oy. We had trouble but seeing it. I saw it, it this, yeah. way, this time. Yeah, we had to get the, you had to get the right position, and as soon yep. as you get in the right spot, it's like, oh, look, there it is. Uh, wind picked up later in the afternoon when we headed back to camp, and rain started at six thirty. So we sat under the tarp in a small fire and ate Alpen Air Forever Mac and Cheese, which also has peas, carrots, and corn in it. I don't know what the dealio is with freeze-dried <laughs> meals and peas, carrots, and corn. So you did, was that an ingredient on the outside? Did you know the corn was in there? No, I just saw forever mac and cheese and said, I like mac and cheese. There's corn in it. Yeah. Huh. So anyway, not a lot. So um, we have noted that all these freeze-dried meals, 
serves two people. Yeah. Bull hooey. Yeah, it feeds one person. Especially out doing activities like that. Yeah. You're burning a lot of energy. You need a lot of food. If you're just like, one of those would probably do two kids, right? Yeah. Uh, If you're just medium hungry, you could probably get away with it. Or if you had something with it. Like there's some rice ones we brought brought with us. Uh, There was a Mediterranean pork and... Uh, couscous one sort of thing. Yeah. There was a couple of Bismarck rice things. If you are having fish and want this as a side dish, then yeah, that w- you just need one yeah. sort of thing, right? Uh, but yeah, serves two people. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe if they're like munchkins from the land of Oz. <laughs> but they are good meals. I do like they them. Are, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They are They are good. And I think he's a trained chef or something, isn't he? Oh, uh, Randy for the yeah. for the OTG meals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Alpen Air ones are... Uh, I've had those ones before. Um, oh, we're sitting around the campfire. Mouse runs straight up Tracy's back, <laughs> launches itself <laughs> off her shoulder. Finally, finally found it in our food barrel. <laughs> I don't know what evil can evil mouse was doing, but yeah. Uh, and then 11.45, another violent thunderstorm oh, right wow. above our site. Like one of those ones where the thunder rolls and you can feel it from your toes oh, all no. the way up. Yeah. And there must have been a couple of different storm cells because you know how you do the thunder and then you the count, count to the flash. You want to know how far away. It was all over the board. So you couldn't tell. So Yeah, we, could, we couldn't tell. Uh, the next morning, one thing we've never had, because I, I like to just eat breakfast and go. I don't want to be making pancakes. I don't want to be making bacon and eggs. I, I don't want to be doing dish. I just want to hot water into some oatmeal and I'm gone. Well, we got a couple of the uh, Alpenair breakfasts and stuff, uh, like granola ones, where you just add either cold or hot milk or, or water, and it makes a milk and okay, yeah, yeah. Those are actually quite good. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Hmm. But when you're looking at 50 cents for a couple of things of oatmeal or eight bucks for a big <laughs> yes. thing of granola, yeah. yeah, you know, oatmeal it is. Uh, and again, not feeding two people. Uh, so this was the day we actually... Uh, we packed up camp and we headed south across Diamond Lake to find the portage into Bob Lake because we are going to go to Bob Lake and spend a couple of days. On the Friends of Tomogamy map, it shows this little bay and the portage starts in the bottom of the bay. Mm-hmm. So we get there and we couldn't find it. So I got out and it's all mud and bush and st- stuff like that. It looked like there was a game trail. So I followed it in about 30 feet or so. And there was a portage, an old one. So we hauled all our gear. Was it the right one? <laughs> threw all everything, grab our backpacks, head on up the trail. And all of a sudden the trail ends at some trees. Again, another little game trail by the looks of it. So we squeezed up that and ended up on a logging road. <laughs> uh, wow, that's weird. So there was a stick on the road. Well, the stick we noticed from other portages, if the stick is on your right-hand side, it's sort of like a blocking. It's like a wall. Mm-hmm. Don't go right. Go left. Go the opposite oh, okay. way from where the stick is. So we go up about another 50 feet, and we look, and there's this beautiful Algonquin-esque looking portage. <laughs> so I look the other way, and there's the other half of it. <laughs> so apparently they have 
totally changed it all, but not marked it on the map because I went to follow where the it actually was supposed to come from. Yeah. We were supposed to go. And it's way out on the point. Oh, okay. But it was like, yeah, man, we wouldn't have had to get... We wouldn't have had to, you know, step up to our knees in water and <laughs> mud and fight through trees. But, but hey, Tracy got that ex- that that experience out of out of the way. You were trying to get to Bob Lake. Yeah, going down to Bob Lake. Here, here, look at the map. Oh, there. yeah, that's better. I was trying to find it on Google. Yeah. Um. So yeah, from from Diamond down to Bob Lake there. Uh, there, there's 1.2 kilometer portage. So what one twenty one thousand two hundred meters. Yeah. So there's one spot where there was a big blowdown, but five four or five trees were right down, and we had to go around through the woods and up the other side. So Tracy got that experience as well. Uh, got all the way down, yeah, all the way down to Bob. After that, it was beautiful, beautiful portage to do that. And um, when you get to Bob Lake, the um, first site you get to wide open. If you know you've got a few days of really nice weather, yeah. that's the site for you. Oh yeah, wide open, totally exposed. But there is a little. Uh, there's there was an old logging camp next to it as well. Yeah, it's uh, right marked on the map. Yeah. There. Uh, so that's the north site. The south site is really nice. That's the one you want to get at certain times of the year. But the wind was coming from the north, heading straight south. Oh, right and on. it's going right into that site while we were up there. The middle site is a small one. It's perfect for a hammock camper or a solo tent. But we there was a spot that we we managed to put our tent. It wasn't the com- most comfortable, uh, but we did that anyway. Uh, while we were paddling down, Bob, it started raining, and again it was on and off all afternoon and evening. Uh, this one I did the Happy Yak Mediterranean Pork, and Tracy did the um, uh, the other OTG one. We've realized with these meals as well, mm-hmm. pork and chicken do not rehydrate very well at yeah. all. They're either very chewy or crunchy, yeah. while the rest of the meal is perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the noodles, the rice, or whatever is with it is perfect. Meat's tough. It's, it's, Just the it's, chicken and the pork it, we noticed. It's hard to dehydrate properly mm-hmm. and then rehydrate again. Anything beef, we did not have an issue with. Mm-hmm. Just pork and chicken. Hmm. So, um, so yeah. So that so the next day, there was one loon on the lake the day before. They turned into five loons all of a sudden. So they're starting to gather, right? Mm-hmm. They're starting to gather. Cold wind, so we just hung out. Tent snoozing under the tarp, relaxing, that sort of stuff. Uh, it got a pretty chilly and damp, so we had a couple of Happy Yak coconut Thai soups for lunch. Very tasty. Oh, yeah? I, I'm kind of, I'm not a big spicy, hot spicy fan sort of thing, but these were actually really good. We're going to pick up a couple more of those. And again, it, it, with these you don't mind because they're a pack as opposed to bringing a can or something like that. Uh, the winds died down and we headed out in the lake to do some exploring and fishing. We went to the old logging camp, found uh, bits of it. Uh, we found the corner of an old log cabin, uh, not too much left of it. We found an old dump. Uh, there's a g- brown glass Javex bottle, rusted uh, uh, horseshoe, um, saw blade, uh, some other garbage and stuff like that. Checked all that out and... Uh, headed back down the lake doing some fishing. I caught three perch. 
Um, I'd show you pictures, but they were just too big for the camera. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah, that's the ticket. <laughs> it wouldn't fit in the camera frame. Yeah. It wouldn't fit in the frame. Just wouldn't fit in the frame <laughs> with, the, with that close. Uh, <laughs> so back to, to camp for late dinner and a fire. We watched eight Vs of Canada geese fly overhead, and they were high. Like, I mean, they weren't just flying over to the treetops. They were way up there. And there was a good 50-plus in each formation. And we saw eight of them. That's like four, more than 400 birds. Yeah. Right? Wow. So they're heading south. And then we just sat around the, the fire and relaxed and chatted. We let the fire burn out. Said, you know what? Okay, let's call it a night. Put a little bit of uh, water on top of the coals just to make sure that they don't, you know, just to, to get rid of the you embers. Flare that's up, all, really, yeah, yeah, that's all that was left. There's nothing left to really burn. Pulled the tarp back over. And the minute I pulled the tarp back over... It started raining. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding? Uh, the next day we were heading out of Bob. As we're packing up, an eagle landed right over our, on the, in the tree right next to our canoe. Oh, cool. Which was really cool. So we got we got a close-up uh, of that. There are five loons are now, have now turned into six loons. And 11 Vs of geese went over. Holy cow. Yeah, that's a lot of geese. This is early for them to be migrating, isn't it? I guess there's an early an early winter coming. Hmm. And something I heard, I never knew it. Now, Alex Mathias had said this. If you see a, a, a beehive, if it's hanging low, mm-hmm. it's going to be a mild winter. If it's hanging high, it's going to be a bit of a brutal winter. And he's noticed high beehives. Oh. Uh, or bees' nests, bees. Yeah, bee nests. Um, this year. How do bees know ahead of time? Do they have a better weather service than us? You know what? There's a guy that did us. Did we not talk about it on one of our shows? Maybe I just talked about it yeah, with you. Uh, the Vireos. I think there's the Vireos. He noticed that, like, they, they migrate to South America. Yeah. They If they leave on this day, hurricane season isn't going to be that bad. If they leave earlier, it means it's going to be a really bad hurricane season. Oh, okay. One year, they left really early. Hmm. And the Farmer's Almanac, the weather people, everybody said it's going to be a mild hurricane season. And he says, no, 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 they left early. It's going to be a really bad one. That was the year Katrina hit. Oh, wow. So these Vireo birds, mm-hmm. so yeah, I guess the bees know as well, hmm. right? So that's, that's why they say you got to pay attention to this sort yeah. of stuff. Uh, so yeah, we uh, we so we packed up and we started the trip from Bob to Obabaka via Mud Lake. Uh, when you leave Bob into Mud at the Mud Lake end of the portage, there's logs you have to walk on so you don't sink in the mud. <laughs> and then on the other side to leave Mud Lake, there's even more logs to walk on. And for about the first 200 meters of the portage. It is all mud and water and blah. But then it turns into another Algonquin-esque sort of uh, portage. So it's really cool. Um, Mud Lake goes, we uh, paddled that. Then we took the portage into Chiscon Lake. Uh, Beautiful lake. It's got spirit rock, which is a big pillar of rock. Uh, Very significant um, uh, spiritual site for the local First Nations peoples. And as we're coming out, 
I, there's one campsite on that lake and we see it. I think, well, we'll stop there, have lunch, pee break, that sort of stuff. Went back for the canoe, came back. Some dude, he must have just pulled around the corner as I was heading up the portage. Because by the time I got back, he already had his tent set up. Oh. I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> and then a couple other guys in the second canoe come around and they're talking about how brutal that portage was. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, that's <laughs> the last portage of the day. Whatever. How bad can it be? It's brutal if you're coming from Obamaca because it's massively uphill. Yes. Yep. For us, it was all massively downhill. <laughs> so it was great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know what? I would do that uphill portage if I if I knew I could stay at that site. That's a really nice little lake. Uh, and then, yeah, so we got down there and we checked out a nice big beach site there. We uh, did a little looking around and then paddled across Obabaka back to uh, Alex Mathias' place. Uh, people started already arriving and then there was a whole bunch of tents set up and everything like that because they're up for the changing of the season ceremony. So we found our spot. We set up our tent, started talking to people. Some I knew, some knew me. Um, some I've chatted with for years online and first time I've ever actually met them in person, that sort of deal. And then we sat around big fire and bed by midnight. Cool. Uh, next day was the actual changing of the season ceremony day. Uh, it's, it's, like I say, it was quite the honor to, uh, be invited up, getting the, uh, the invite up to it. And so everybody gathers around and they have the big ceremonial fire and everything going, which is a whole thing about starts the day before has to be kept going, uh, tended all night, uh, into the day. And then there's a, a smudge and a feather ceremony. A few people talked about the area. Uh, one of the gentlemen was, was singing a couple of songs and stuff. Um, talk about the culture and the people of the area. Then there's a, a potluck meal, meal is held. Everybody brings stuff. Just as the potluck started, you'll never guess what happened. It rained. <laughs> a massively torrential thunderstorm. <laughs> Third one of the week. Yeah, it's got to be some sort of record. Uh, but we all sat under the, the, the big um, tarps and all that and shelters and a good time was had by all anyway. Rain stopped late afternoon, early evening, eventually totally stopped. And uh, everybody started heading back out and big fire, listen to music. There was a makeshift band that night. So uh, Yes, you told me a little bit about yeah, this. Yeah. So there's, uh, um, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get into that a little later. But just, yeah, there's a makeshift band. So day eight, uh we had a bit of a lazy morning. We said goodbye to a lot of people that were leaving because it was Sunday. Paddled across Obabaka to see grandparents' rocks. Um, there's some big, massive rocks. Again, spiritual uh, significance. Uh, checked out Ranger Point. There was an old t- fire tower there that was gone. So we sat over there. Nice, lazy day. Had some lunch and stuff. Then we paddled back over. Did some fishing. And I say fishing, not catching. Um, back for lunch. And more fireside chat and songs with the remaining people that were there. There was uh, one of the women that were up, name was Sonia. She brought out a Dutch oven, baked banana bread, then a strawberry cake. And she's over an uh, open fire? Yeah. Oh, Neat. yeah. Right right next to this fire. She nice. had this thing and she's never done it before. And so she's, okay. you know, might as well. Bonus. And then, yeah, uh, bed by 2.15 in the morning. <laughs> Day nine, got up, eight packed, uh, 
did a, a, a nice interview with Alex and um, then headed home. So, you know what? Had a blast. I'm glad we switched it to our lazy kind of trip as opposed to the travel, travel, travel trip because we don't get to just sit on our butts at home and get up, you know, sleep that extra hour yeah. or something like that. We're, we were able to do that on this trip. It was a nice, relaxing Perfect. trip. Yeah, that, that would I, be I nice. think we really yeah. needed it. Uh, as much as I like to just go and see stuff and mm-hmm. I want to get up there and let's see here and let's zip over here and let's zip up there and let's go check out this lake and, oh, I hear that lake's great and all over the place. It was nice not to do that. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, and I think Tracy appreciated it as well. Uh, highlights of the trip were getting Tracy up to Tomogamy, uh, changing the trip, like I say, from a travel trip to a slow down trip, getting to try some new meals from OTG Meals, Alpenair and Happy Yak, uh, attending the changing of the season ceremony, time spent around the big ceremonial fire with everybody, um, recording an interview with Alex, uh, and then the recording the makeshift band at the fire. Definitely can't wait to go back. We've been invited back for next year, cool. so we're gonna right on. we're gonna head back up next year and uh, check it all out again. So the evening of the ceremony, after the storms passed and everybody um, came back out. Um, Ron, guy named Ron, AKA rock and Ron. He brings out his guitar every night, starts playing song. And he knows like from the sixties to the eighties sort of thing. Oh, wow. And even, even some into the nineties and two thousands, uh, he's, he's, he knows songs and you'll, some, some of them he's like, Oh yeah, I haven't played that in a while. And you know, Hey, do you know Lola by the King? Oh, and then he starts playing that. And <laughs> do you know something by the Eagles? And he'll start playing something from the Eagles and all that sort of so, yeah, he's really good. Really yeah. good. That's impressive. Um, so he was playing guitar. And then he's got one of those shaker eggs, you know, with the rice in it. So he goes, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So he passed that to, to one of the guys that was sitting on the bench. Because there was a few guys or younger guys that are into in bands, right? Yep. So he passes it to, to him. Next thing you know, there's a second guitar out. I think it may have been Alex's guitar. Uh, so there's a second guitar out. And then there's a tambourine out. So I'm thinking, okay, well, this is this is going. Well, they got hanging on the tree is like this three-foot-wide frying pan that they use for fish fries. Three foot? Yeah. That's it's a like, big frying pan. Yeah. It's, it's like three <laughs> feet across, right? Next thing you know, that's on the ground upside down because there's a guy that's an actual drummer, and he's using that as a drum. How did it's it work a couple as a, of sticks. How did it work as a drum? Was it good? It was it was high pitched, yeah, like quick whack 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 yeah, okay. sort of things. But he could you can get the sound and everything and the rhythms and all that. So all of a sudden we get this makeshift band going on, and they actually started sounding pretty good. <laughs> I ran to the truck, got my Zoom F6 recorder, set of headphones, yeah. mic stand, and a mic. Nice, and set it up in front of. I was calling it the hell sessions because where I had to sit to do this was right next to the fire. Oh, my arm was burning. (laughs) Like I was pulling down my sleeve. I'm leaning way over trying to get away from the fire. It's too hot. Holding, making sure nothing's melting and all that sort of stuff. But no, I recorded, I guess about an hour of stuff from them. Um, So actually going to play one of the songs, Rock and Ron. When Corona lockdown hit, the COVID uh, lockdown hit, 
he ended up being stuck in the Philippines. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. So Oops. he, like you said, he writes songs and, and, and whatnot as well. Uh, and he says, like, if he didn't have his guitar with him at the time, he would have gone nuts. Yeah. So he's playing all these songs and all that. And he ended up writing this song called Corona while he was over there. So yeah. this is Corona by Rock and Ron and the Hell Sessions Band. Nice. <laughs> right on. I just made that up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's this is him and this song he wrote. And like I say, you can hear the guitars, the shaker, the tambourine, and the... The drum. I just yeah. got to figure out how to take some off the drum when I modify the Pretty recordings. Pretty loud, is it? Ah, yes and no. Tracy says it's not bad, but I'm just picky that way. So, <laughs> uh, so give this a listen, and uh, uh, we'll be back uh, to talk about Alex and Matthias after this. Very rapidly. Oh, perfectly, perfectly fine. Sweet. Out of couple. Foreign in a foreign land The radio says bad news My life's affected It's disconnected Vanilla traffic's in a jam Nothing in the air can land I'm wondering how I'll get back home I'm lost in Philippines alone And oh, 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 Corona Look what you've done to me And oh, 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 Corona Oh, Corona Look what you've done to me Now I hide behind a tree The immigration man says I'm on overstay And I can't be this way Because I'm having too much fun I wave and smile at everyone Well, Aquaman can't save your ass But I'm the man behind the mask And oh, 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 Corona Oh, Corona Look what you've done to me And oh, 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 Corona Oh, Corona Done to me. Mind you, castles made of sand. Children on the beach think that I just live this way. Still on overstay. Well, I don't worry, and I don't care. I throw my troubles in the air because I found my island queen. We're living here in quarantine and oh, 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 Corona. Corona, look what you've done to me. And oh, 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 Corona, oh, Corona, look what you've done to me. And oh, 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 Corona, 
Hey, this is Sean Rowley, and you're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. To find out more about us, check out our website, paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Current and past episodes of our podcast can be downloaded or streamed from iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page of our website. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, we would love to hear from you. So drop us a line on Facebook or our website. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. Welcome back. So, Alex Mathias, uh, like I said, we were honored to be included in the ceremony this year and get the invite up. That's and, pretty amazing. You know, it was it was really cool. Um, we're like I say, we're we're going to head up again next year, and uh, it's quite the drive into his place. First off, yeah. So we definitely needed a four. We're we're lucky to have the truck. <laughs> a couple of people showed up with cars, got stuck because of the rain. Oh yeah, but, yeah. Well, they all got up. They don't let anybody get stranded. So. Alex is one of the nicest people you'll come across as well. He's just happy to have everybody up there, answers your questions. We'll sit down and have a beer with you, chit-chat about everything. Really, really nice guy. He he will take you across to the Spirit Forest. There's the there's some hiking trails over yep. there, and we'll give you a little guided trip. He'll show you some... Um, some of the uh, artifacts that have been found mm, okay. over the years. Because originally, like, some of them say that the area was has only been settled for, like, two to 3,000 years. Mm-hmm. Well, the artifacts they're finding have been carbon dated now to saying it's more like 7,500 to 8,000 oh, wow. years. Yeah. Right? So, um, and it was funny. At one point, he comes over. He sits down next to me and says, you know, I've heard about you from a few people. But I don't know. I don't know that you've ever heard of me. And I'm looking at Alex going... I've been hearing about you for like five, six years. <laughs> Who's been talking about me? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so had a really, really good uh, talk. Uh, so, yeah, I got to sit down with Alex, um, chat with him about himself, how he became caretaker of the land, um, the history of the area and his family and, and uh, the First Nations people that, that live there. And have lived there for the past seven to eight thousand years, um, and yeah, it was very interesting uh, to to hear all about it. So, I'm not going to talk any more about it. Just here's my chat with Alex. I don't know if you understand. A lot of people don't understand this, but uh, there's 14 traditional territories in Tuolumne Region family territories, right? And uh, this is one of the smaller ones called the Masabi family territory. And all that happened was, uh, Masabi wasn't from Tomogby. He came up from uh, Perry Sound, Shawanaga in 1852, I believe. Okay. They married a Kekak girl. His name of the family is here, Kekak. So Kekak gave him half of, uh, half of his land, territory to provide for his family. Eh? He had that block of land to, you know, provide for a family in the old days. So he got, so he had it for a while, and he had up having a son called Pete Masabi, and Pete had it, and Pete got old, and, and Pete gave it to his son Moses, Moses Masabi, and when Moses got too old, Moses passed it down to uh, the, the man they call Shimmy Alex Masabi, and because uh, Moses was twenty two years older than. Brother, youngest brother, Jimmy, right. because we had a lot of kids that time. 
And uh, my adopted father, Jimmy, said uh, that his, his father married his mom when she was 13. And he was, he was something like 35. But in them old days, that's we, uh, the parents of the mom of, of, of the daughter would pick a good man, like a good provider, like trapper, hunter, whatever, a good craftsman or whatever. Right. So they picked a, there's no such thing as, uh, going steady or, uh, engaged or anything like that. You, you did say to, uh, Demands, uh, demands parents, your, your son's gonna marry, marry our daughter. And that was a handshake, and that's the way it went. Right. You know, and I guess they just grew to love each other, you know what I mean? But, uh, it's amazing, but that's the way it was. So anyway, it was, anyway, the land was eventually passed to me in 1992. Cause I, I used Matthias' name, cause I used to use Matthias' name, cause they were never adopted me, legally adopted it, they just raised me. Okay. So I, they, and I, I'm really proud that uh, they brought me back here every, every winter almost, you know, and my education was two courses, uh, male. And, uh, we used to take, you know, dropping and, you know, and pick up our tape, pick up our pelts, lots of maples on Bear Island, and sell our fur, bring things up, pick up our mail, mail and stuff, we done, you know. It was simple life, I hope my dog came pretty well back then. Right. And, uh, it was simple life, you know, and, uh, a real healthy life. And, uh, pitching as a young man, like, carrying wood, cutting wood, carrying water. But that, we never looked at it as work, as part of survival. So, yeah, there was no luxuries like, and there's no electricity. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Nothing like that. So, whatever uh, it was, whether we lived here or, uh, Bear Island had no power either back then. Right. No, no, you didn't, that didn't come into Bear Island until, uh, 1964. Okay. You know, when Hydro arrived to Bear Island. So, things were a little tougher because we had to, you know, keep, keep everything fresh. You couldn't, you know, no freezers, no fridges. And so, you, when you went, when you went fishing, you ate your fish. Uh, and fish was much better back then. I recall my uh, father telling my mom about four o'clock in the evening, uh, put on some seals and a trout fish. I have to go and catch a couple of trout. But uh, I don't know if that's still possible on Lake Tomorrow. I mean, it's pretty, uh, pretty heavily fished out now, I'm sure. Right. But, but it's uh, the same as here. Like, you know, when I want a trout, I have to go and catch one or two. And I feel like I've been fished for supper. It's pretty well guaranteed, you know, like, on this lake anyway. But the only thing I don't like about this lake is uh, there's no pickerel. <laughs> That's my favorite fish. <laughs> but uh, other than that, it's a beautiful place. And uh, my two favorite lakes in Tuami region is uh, this lake and Diamond Lake. You know, yeah. that really sticks with me. But anyhow, I uh, enjoy living here. I go up here as a kid here every winter. Then my father took a stroke, uh, in 60, partially, partially stroke, around 65. Right. And he, he quit coming there, you know, quit coming back, cause it's a lot of, you know, a lot of work, uh, shopping and stuff like that. But we came back here to survive. <laughs> Life was better for us. And you can imagine coming into the bush, you don't, uh, we never want meat. 
Never have to. Right. Because everything is here fresh meat on the land. Eh? We had uh, moose, beaver, partridge, rabbit, fish. So we had a big, uh, big variety of food. Like. And it was all sustainable back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, we got the needy things like uh, potatoes and rice and tea, you know, stuff like this. But I remember really young, I used to... You just have a garden across the river here, and uh, you go to potatoes. And have enough potatoes for the whole winter. And I remember that plant them in, in May. I would go over here in May sometime because you have to go back like, to mommy to guide him for tourists. Right. So we plant potatoes here, and sometime in May, never bother come back in October, and you know, <laughs> it'll be ready to go. <laughs> but uh, we well, he just about uh, we'd have to get back here for frost because eh, frost can damage your crop. Up here, oh yeah. yeah, you know. And we were he put them on her ground maybe this far it worked out for us anyway and uh we also had potatoes and i when i moved up here in nine, 1993 now when i moved in and you moved here full time yeah full time so i'm here 28 years now and uh i enjoy it there's a lot of places i can yeah. can imagine living you know because i uh so i started high school in 1962. Right. So I never, there's so many North Bay. It's a culture shock to me, because, you know, what <laughs> it Yeah. And, uh, you know, you see traffic and different things. I know it wasn't used to it, so I, I did go to school happily and quit and hitchhike home. Because my mom's pretty upset with me, and uh, my dad said, don't worry about it. He said, we'll get them courses for, you know, can bring them back in the bush. And that's what I did, and I got my 9 and 10 back here in courses like you know. so it worked out fine I mean the only subject I really found that I benefited from to be uh, is math because I became a carpenter later and I became a contractor myself and okay. contract like small I mean stuff like this so math is something that I benefit from anything else that I was taught like uh like these, these history, well, according to them people there, history started when Columbus arrived. But mm-hmm. my dad just said, there was history way before that, you know. Yeah. There's nothing written, it's just oral. You know. Well, that, that's one of the things that we've we've heard is, you know, there's, uh, when, you, when you're doing research on this particular area of Obabaka in Tamakami, mm-hmm. yeah. um, they say, you know, oh, there's been people here for about two, maybe 3,000 years. Yeah. But now, with things that are being found... Uh, little artifacts and stuff. It's it's more like seven thousand five hundred years. Well, for sure. Like uh, I, we had some artifacts found here. I mean, uh, a few years back, like I got one. Uh, so my wife had a friend that was a jeweler mm-hmm. who had a friend that could try and carbon date them as close as possible. Right. right. So and then I'm on a parchment because I scared to lose them. I had three of them and. Uh, one was pretty recent, fifteen hundred years old, but it was uh, petrified wood, a spearhead. Okay. You know, then uh, arrowhead was one was a little smaller, and it was five thousand years old. Then this third one, they estimated eight thousand years old. Wow. And when you look at this arrowhead, I mean, I don't know if you can make the tools we had. I mean, masters didn't have good tools, but. This thing is made to spin as a flu, eh? You can see the 
So what he's doing, the person I'm doing, I know what he's doing. Like, oh, he yeah, 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 yeah. But a lot of that rock, a lot of stuff that is mostly flint, you know what I mean? And we didn't have much around here. We don't have any ways to trade, though, I guess, you know. Because yeah. Swami people, at one point in time, they were called the G-Man Anishinaabe. Uh, canoe people. Okay. Because uh, we had all the makings of a canoe. We have the birch bark, we have the spruce roots, and we have uh, cedar for the ribs, and uh, cedar, uh, spruce gum, you know. And we had everything for it. So, and I believe we traded for other things like uh, maybe arrowheads or. Or a plant even, or something, some kind of other material right. that we don't have here. But uh, in some cases, I always think uh, the arrowheads you find, maybe just from another tribe going by. Right. You know, like the Iroquois passed through quite a few, quite a bit in the early days. So they might have missed something and fell out of the pot. Yeah, you know, I shot an animal and ran around in the bush and couldn't find any dyes or they find anything back in the bush somewhere, you know what I mean? Right. Because the, the stick from the arrow is gonna gonna rot away eventually. Yes. But the arrow will be almost there, like, you know. So I find that uh, interesting, but uh, I, I enjoy living here. There's nothing to do in my life. Not that change, I don't think. Like, you know, like... Uh, well, we've been up here 10 days. Mm -hmm. um, in this particular area of Tomogamy. And, I mean, it's beautiful country, it really yeah. is. And the canoe routes and everything that we've been on, um, not not the easiest in a couple of spots. You no, know? no. But you, you've talk, we talked over the weekend here about, um, you know, there that there's the summer routes and the winter routes, yeah. you know, moving the families and stuff like that. And I go I go along some of these, these portages, which I... I gotta think I've been there for again thousands of years being mm -hmm. used and stuff, uh, especially since you know we're seeing the picture yeah. uh, pictographs and everything along mm -hmm. some of the cliff faces. And I don't know that I would want to be doing that every year. No, you know, not with a whole family. It's no. one thing when we got it now, where you throw the canoe on your shoulders, yeah. and some gear and off you go. Yeah, but with a whole family, that'd be something to do. Yeah, you know. Well, I was told by elderly, elderly people, young man growing up, uh, when they bought down the moose sometimes, they moved there, so they wouldn't have to, uh, you couldn't even move back. Right. They moved there where the meat was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a good idea, but it didn't have much of a building way back in them days, and it probably just uh, wigwam or, right. or uh, teepee sort of thing or something. But, uh, they wouldn't be hauling all the, the wood uh, beams and stuff around. No, no. Poles, anything like that. Yeah. yeah. But, no, you know what? We, we love this. Uh, been up here, and, and it's, it's, it's absolutely fantastic uh, land, that's for sure. Uh, we, we were up here with the changing of the seasons ceremony this weekend, which, you know, yeah. honored to be, to be invited no. to that. Um, and just meeting a, a bunch of people up here, like-minded people that not only into the canoeing and stuff like that, no. but, you know, into the nature and protecting it, which is, again, a big issue, uh, not far from here, Squirrel Road, no. which was, uh, it was the 70s or 80s? 89 Blockade. Yeah, the yeah. 89 Blockade. Yeah. 
Uh, I believe Bob Ray got arrested yeah, there as yeah. well. And, we decided in Orkham Lake here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and now, not far the other way from here is... Yeah, last side of Yeah, it's going to be something, something happened there, I'm pretty sure. But you think uh, 89 Blockade was big, mm-hmm. was known. But I think it's just going to be bigger because there's more access everybody has internet now and yeah. they rotate bond people you know what I mean It'll be much more organized well I am, I'm ready for anything like I I never thought I'd be in a second major blockade but 30 years <laughs> 30, 30 some years ago about 32 years ago by pretty quick <laughs> yeah yeah but it, it's I mean it's, it's massive territory up here yeah you know that they've mm-hmm. protected and there's it still boggles the mind that there's areas that are, are pristine and never been touched. Yeah. And all of a sudden they say, well, it's never been touched. Let's touch it. What a problem. Like, you know, we want to keep, should keep that place, should keep it because they can practice, you know, and the mm-hmm. future generation will, will learn from that land. You know right. I mean? Where they call this old growth over here, Babaka here, the largest old growth in, in the world. Yeah. It's not the largest trees, it's, and it's only three square kilometers which was left there, you know. And the only reason why it's left there is because uh, back in the days with horses, you couldn't get in there, the train was too rough. Right? So then, of course, Ray got in, and in 90, made a uh, park was was made, but, uh, but uh, what do you call it? It's protected, anyway, is what it's called. Yeah, there's conservation. Yeah, conservation area. Yeah, so that's uh, good. Yeah, and that's uh, they call that up here the the spirit forest. Yeah, right. Forest. And there's there's some really nice trees up there. Yeah, you know? but you know, you think uh, way before everybody else up sacred place, you know, like certain certain place sacred place. But to me, I think the whole four thousand square miles is sacred. Mm-hmm. You know. And, uh, and that's what our people call it, uh, it means land of ours. Right. You know, a lot of people misinterpret that. They'll see our land, but it's land of ours. It's very, you know. It's a difference. I can't say it properly. My wife used to tell me she was non-native and, uh, from Grimsby, Ontario. And she's asking different things in the language. So somebody else says, well, how you say window, you know, in your language. And uh, it's a long word, not long, long, with Waxachigan, as we call that window. But when you translate in English really proper, you're not saying that. You're saying where the light comes in. You know, like, right. yeah, you know, so, so, yeah. yeah. And same as, uh, my dad told me that when, uh, he never seen no horses. Until the start, lumber kind of started coming in, you know, in the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. And that's when he seen horses in lumber camps. Right. So he said, there's no name for this animal. There's no name for it. Natives had no name for it because they never seen one before. <laughs> okay. So he says, uh, and then he came up with a name. But again, you're not seeing a horse. You're seeing uh, Bebej Gushkwe. Bebej Gushkwe means... Uh, one solid hoofed animal, because all other animals have split hooves, eh? Right. So that's what you're saying, you know. You know One solid hoof. Yeah. 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 So many things means so much like uh, 
My wife's going to speak at, uh, an elder, uh, he's from Sagamuk. And he's, he spoke almost identical to me. But he asked him, the guy that we both knew. And, uh, he says, uh, you know what I say, Guinebo, you know? Like, he died. Right. But in my language, it's, uh, Gishwamanze, it means, uh, finish, you finish living. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it yeah. sounds more real, you know, like, a lot of things like that, you know, so the language, and I had to go to, uh, North Bay three years ago. They get all language, language speakers together from North people, Tawami people. I go down there, there's only four of us left. Yeah, and I, I'd heard there's only four that can actually yeah, yeah, converse know, yeah. in full Ojibwe. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that's sad, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we, we had done a, a show a couple weeks back, um, the Canadian Canoe Museum. Mm-hmm. Their new exhibits are going to include um, Aboriginal voices. What? Of the, like, Indigenous people, they're going to have their... Yeah. Language, because you have the French, the English all the time. Yeah. But they're actually going to have other languages... Uh, that, you know, you, you, you can't lose them. No. You can't, you, you know, and, and we've lost so much already. Yeah. It's, it's scary, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I believe to myself when you, uh, my feelings is, I don't know, you know, I don't know. If you lose your language, you lose your culture almost. Yep. You know? Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. But there's, uh, what I find the hardest for me to understand, all the people my age, their parents fluent, but they wouldn't talk. You know, thought never. People ask me what was taught me to speak, speak my native language. Don't be taught me. I had to learn English when I started school. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So don't be taught me. It was just in me my first language. You know? Right. You know, so yeah, you think you'd speak it more around the house, sort of. Thing, yeah, you know, you know, or yeah. wherever you guys were. Yeah, well, say every, every day I was walking in the house with my dad speaking language, told my mom, and you know, and, and sticks with you, and and uh, a lot of people, my friends, some of my friends, well, the only time I heard. My parents speaking Indian is when they didn't want us to know what they were talking about, you know, you know? Right. You know, like, I guess that happened. <laughs> <laughs> like spelling words when your kids are small, <laughs> yeah, so you yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's a shame that uh, it, it's, a, it's a, a culture that's being lost, you know. Yeah. All, all, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. You know, it's being lost. But, yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, it's a language that, uh, and the Tawami people, it's a dialect is unique. It's a really unique dialect because it's uh, different in many places. Right. Because I think what's happened in Tawami region, uh, a lot of people migrated from somewhere else and they brought their own life with them. There's a community and nobody cracked it in. We won't do it that way. Just live with it. So the next generation grew they took on the slang yeah, sort yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because right, right. you take it under the like I mentioned, he came from very South Shawanaga area. Then uh, the Pauls came from Thunder Bay area. You know. So they were still Ojibwe, but the dialect was a little bit different. You know, a lot of people are people who came from Moose which would be Cree. Yeah. And uh, so they kind of made all those languages 
together, a couple of generations goes by, and it's, it's, just, it's your own That's language. a new distinct yeah, language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's, well. what I, that's what I see anyway. But I think I'll get back to uh, things I've been taught here, like uh, trapping and hunting and skinning and all this stuff, you know, is... Uh, you never finish learning. You gotta know ice conditions for good, where it's gonna be safe, where it's not gonna be safe. And it, it, you grow with that. You, you know, you, you don't learn it overnight. You have, yeah, it's experience. You have, you have to be part of that, uh, part of that life. Yeah. And I really feel great that I know what I know. And, uh, I, would, I pass on to other people I know because I, I'm a pretty friendly guy and I want people to be happy and I, I'm always uh, great and uh, to my friends and family. Like, and, uh, it's a great feeling. When I the other day was over here, uh, certain morning happening, and there's people talking about the feather and mm-hmm. passing the feather along, and my name gets mentioned quite a bit, and, <laughs> and, and it really makes me feel great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I recall one time I was at a meeting, an Asia meeting, and in. Smooth waters. Yep. Anyway, I went in there. Twenty eight people there. And the beauty of it was they either met through me or through Babaka. You know what I mean? Right. And it's such a it gave me such a good lift in life, like you know. Yeah. I didn't mention it but I knew it, you know what I mean? It was great. Well it's funny because you'd you'd said that you'd heard of me. Yeah. You know, through some people. Yeah, yeah, just... And then, and you didn't know if I'd heard of you. Yeah. And, like, I've heard of you for at least the last five, six years. Yeah. <laughs> and we just never met. Yeah, yeah, true. You know? Yeah. And, and again, there, during the ceremony this weekend, there's a few people here that, you know, mm-hmm. I've talked with online, but we've never met face-to-face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to actually get together and uh, people, yeah. you know, like-minded people of, yeah. the, of the same, you know. And I think a lot of the people that are here this past weekend. Um, they, I think to an extent they would love to be in your position, you know, where you're, you're up here all the time, yeah. you're living off the land. You're, mm. you know, that the way it was, you know, like a couple hundred years ago, sort of thing, yeah. where, you know, instead of down in the, the old concrete city, yeah, yeah. you know, I think they're, I wouldn't say it's jealousy, but it's envy maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I have that feeling something, but, uh, it's it's good because I I let some natives come up here one time. I mean, they, they asked me not not the local people, but uh, people in northern Ontario, across Ontario, native. They asked me if they could do a ceremony up here. Right. So I said, sure, go for it. You know, so I I helped them out. I shuttled them across, got firewood for them, and chainsaw, and and they asked me one day if I want to go fast. And I said, no, I don't have to fast. I said, because I'm touching Mother Earth every day as they walk. Where you guys are living in town, there's that much concrete separating from, you don't get to touch every day, you know. Right. So they couldn't understand why I wouldn't fast, but I, I said, I have no problems. I'm happy. You know, it's for people, <laughs> you know, I have no stress or nothing, you know. It's just the life that we live, you know. Yeah. So I, I they, some they took a while to understand me, but they didn't understand me eventually, you know. You, you just kind of, you heard him talking. This guy got a good point there because he, he is he is touching her every day. <laughs> if you're up here into the nature, you know your your yeah. feet are on the land all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's a bit different than yeah. 
you know, you're, you're that disconnect, yeah. as you say, between yeah. the actual earth and, yeah. you know, your feet is yeah. concrete yeah. And, and all that sort of yeah. thing. Even, you know, you go out um, on, on the trips and you take your shoes off and walk around, yeah. you know, the, the campsite sort of thing. Mm. Take your, you know, I, I, one of my big pet peeves with, with canoe tripping is people that won't get their feet wet. Yeah. You know, they ram the canoe up on shore. And yeah, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll be a few feet offshore and just step yeah. over the side. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. You know, uh, bare feet even. Yeah. Or, you know, take your shoes off and hang them over the edge of the canoe just to make that contact. Yeah. You know. But, yeah, it's 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 important um, to do that, to get in touch with, with nature again. Yeah. You know. Um, so... Couple things about the ceremony, if you can you can touch on it. Uh, one of the things with the with the changing of the season ceremony is the fire has to be started by a woman. Yes, but tended to by a man. Yeah, mm-hmm. and why is that? Well, the ritualistic the woman itself is the foundation of the native. Nation, yeah. right? And we, uh, we pay a lot of attention to it, like uh, the mom, the mother's juju, you know, juju. That means you're saying mom. Okay. So then you say the brass is juju, almost the same thing, eh? Okay. Then you say juju shabu for milk, because that all comes from mom, mother, I know. Right. right. Then same with the. Uh, Juju made it butter because that also made from milk from the tit, you know. Right. So that woman's got to be recognized as certain certain things when it comes to spiritual things because uh, they got to be remembered by everyone, and uh, it it doesn't really have to be attended by a man. A woman could still attend it if she wanted to. Okay. But in this case, you're like little. I'm just gonna. They want to sail over to a sacred. We never had a sacred site was out the, across the lake. Eh? Right. First time we had a gathering here, due to weather purposes, and uh, wasn't that bad after all, but it was bad enough there. So, so sometimes I'm glad to say, well, I'll, I'll, I won't keep the secret where you're going, but I have a woman light, and she'll come right back. You know what I mean? Right. So there's uh, this is something that. It's kind of a spiritual feeling, really, you know. Yeah. Because you want to get everybody involved, okay, you know. Because woman is, uh, is almost forgotten the same. Yeah. And man has all the power, you know. It's, so they got to be recognized to a little extent, extent as well. So that's why we, I do it that way, and that's what I told to do. Too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, yeah, I mean, the, the sacred site across across the lake here is. Um, to have somebody just stand, stay there all night, making sure the fire's going yep. and everything. And that was what, well, I think this fire up here's been going, what, three, four days now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but uh, over there is a secret fire, really, mm-hmm. really secret, because uh, you weren't even allowed to butt that, you know what I mean? Right. Well, I'm sure if you butt somebody in this one. But, but we did it Friday night, then it didn't burn until after the ceremony. Right. And then I go out. Yeah. But in this case here, this thing was going for four or five days straight in the last week, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it was, it's awesome. You know what? There's your, one of the things we're talking about is, uh, that, you know, there, there's, a, there's a big 
I guess it's the European thing is you own the property. No. But your thing is you don't own the property. No. You're a caretaker yes. of the land. Yeah. That's right? what I strongly believe in you. Because nobody should own anything. Right. Nobody should own land. But the crown does want to own everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what comes in with all the yeah. logging issues too, right? Yeah. It's sad, but... I even had some uh, major uh, disagreements with uh, some of the well, Vermilion Forest Management. Okay. Well, they actually turned the MNR, actually been paying them, I'm sure. But I think they just uh, made it think some MNR can blame. <laughs> Won't get the blame, they pass the buck on someone else. Right. So, uh, like they'll say, uh, it's a dying forest, it's got to be harvested. And I said, I'm saying, why? Like, uh, well, it's done. It's got to be harvested, you know. And, and it, nobody realizes it's part of nature. It's dying forest, you know. It's not part of nature. Even a fire goes through. It's it's a yeah. part of nature. But it's not nature when they come and clear cut. And no, I mean it's so, been it's been happening for thousands yeah. of years before we were ever here. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was talking to them, and they look at me like. They don't like hearing it. So I've asked them, like, you guys start managing game over here from 500 years ago. It's already ruined. Mm-hmm. But nature managed for thousands of years. And it was perfect, you know what I mean? Yeah. But they don't like, they don't like hearing that because they think man is supposed to be well, better than the, nature, you know? At the end of the day, it, it comes down to the dollar. Yeah. Right? Well, That's all it is. Well, they... With the new roads in the area here, I, I find hard, like, because uh, what happens, more animals get killed, more poaching happening, more uh, roads, eh? Okay. More birds get killed, more moose get killed illegally, probably. Then there's ATVs uh, bringing their boats in those little lakes, and because uh, they have access now, and the lakes get fished out after a couple years, yeah. you know. Yeah. But nobody sees all that, you know what I mean? Then the moose need shade uh, for for summer months. They need to have big pines for shade, eh? like you know, stuff like this. But so they call forest management, but this should be called forest management, you know. It's, uh, there should be timber management. Maybe that's what the proper term should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all the little things that people don't realize that yeah. add up and yeah, yeah. end up and destroying. Yeah, because I've seen that happen even in my lifetime. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's why I'm aware of it. But a lot of people never seen it. I'm sure you know. But uh, yeah. even as, even trippers, I'm sure that been coming up for thirty, forty years. You must recognize things like I would think. So. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because you know. But again, the other hand. uh you know, I've heard a lot of people could come by here, especially the camps from down south, like Halberton or Algonquin. They pass right through the right by the Spirit Rock, mm-hmm. walk right by the, the, the trails. Like they don't know they're there, right? You know what I mean? And uh, but I guess they, they have a plan. You got to be from point A to point B in a certain length of time. Where yeah. Tuamis, that's what totally you different than. Well, I never did camp in Algonquin Park, and uh, but anyway, they did. I'll say, well, it, it, it's too organized. You gotta, yeah, you know, there'll be a certain campsite or, or Well, you know what? That's that's definitely true. You've got to be on this lake on this day and yeah. the next lake the next day, yeah. sort of thing. If that's your plan, that's what you've got to stick to. Yeah, 
Whereas here we had our plan for the for the the week there, and um, the first day, you know, we we had planned to be across Diamond Lake, mm-hmm. but we had just gone on Diamond Lake and thunder, lightning, and hail yeah. put the end of our day. Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. so all of a sudden you're a half a day behind. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you just look at what's there and change your plans up and enjoy yours. And we had a blast, yeah. you know, you know, mm-hmm. and you if you've really got to do that. Um, I think Tomogamy is definitely more of a, w- a wilderness style trip than than you're going to get in, in yeah. Algonquin any day of the week. Yeah, well, that's uh, real because here uh, a lot of times, I, even though I'm on a few trips over the years, uh, you get windbound. You know, you, you do get windbound sometimes. Oh, big time! Yeah. Then uh, and you got to make shift campsite. You know, yeah. you, 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 there's no campsite, but you got to make shift campsite somewhere. Yeah, to be you know. And I don't know if you can do that down there or other parks. Or. Nuts, but yeah, they, they frown on that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. yeah. No, well, we had three thunderstorms this this week, you know? So it's like it, the, the one day we were going to head up somewhere, had we stuck to our original plan, yeah, we would have been in the middle of uh, Lady Evelyn, and that's a huge lake. <laughs> when those thunderstorms... Yeah, were, yeah, it's a big lake. And sure. then, you're, then you're, you can be in big trouble at that yeah. point, so... But, I mean, there's a lot of canoe routes in Tomogamy. Um, there's a lot of water, eh? Lot there's water. a lot of water. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to see, a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of, oh, there's a lot of history here as well. Yeah. You know, which is really, really nice to see. Um, and I, I've been canoe tripping hardcore through Algonquin for years. And I'm actually moved on and, and, and so hooked on Tomogamy now. No. Uh, you know, I just love this place, and to be able to come up and see it, and there's still so much to to explore. Yeah, for sure. You know, and it's not like, oh yeah, see some pictures of your canoe trip. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen that. It's all new stuff, and and nothing like Algonquin. No. You know, and again, it's it's the roots that have been used for thousands of years. Yeah, and and they're still being used now. Well, you know, it's like. Uh some borders weren't, I mean, a lot of it was used, every border was used one time in the region. Right. Because there's some winter or some summer routes, but uh, some calls, they call some places lost, the lost port actions or something. But there's no such thing, because even, uh, it's not used 50 or 60 years, you can still see that my human animals used after them, and you'll see that imprint in the ground. Like, yeah. You know, like, so that's how we end up playing the old roots back, you know. Yeah. Because they were there, you know, they, they were always there. Yeah, people just haven't just, been used. Just, uh, they were using for the last 50 or 60 years, and there's more people coming in now. It's just wants to cover a little more area, and they find them, and it's, it's good. Like, uh, Yeah, there's been a couple spots where we're we're in there and thinking, I'm not sure if this is a portage or a game trail. No. You know, but you end up at the next lake, so you figure it's probably both. Yeah. You know, and it's it's great to get up there and and, uh, check it out. So, Mm -hmm. And like I say, as as long as there's people like you here that are are, uh, being caretakers of the land and fighting to keep it that way, then it it can only benefit everybody further down the road. Right. For sure. So hopefully it stays that way. Uh, Alex, I want to thank you for, for coming on today and uh, chit-chatting here with me. That was great. Um, again, an honor for, for us to be invited up here yeah. for the ceremony and, yeah. and 
and just to see see everything around here. And, yeah, it's great. Uh, definitely be up this way again. Yeah, I'm sure. Most well, people come by once, they're going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, 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 thank you. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. That was uh, awesome to hear Alex talk about everything about the whole area, the culture, how he ended up taking over the that lands, the Masabi lands from his, his father, and it's been passed down, and um, I guess his daughter will take it over whenever he goes in many, 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 many years. Um, but always, yeah, just the it's culture. It's always amazing to hear and listen to that oral history, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, to, to hear the, the kind of things that, like, I remember when uh, the uh, Scarlet Brothers, when, when you guys interviewed them and yep. and all the stories that came out, it, it's always these, these oral history stories that would normally be lost, but it, except for the fact that the stories get told. Yeah. Well, story- and we recorded that yeah. the the Scarlet Brothers, mm-hmm. and then uh, John passed away. Yeah, right. So, um, but yeah, to, to hear all the, the stories, and you know, when Alex is explaining about how the different people came from, like Thunder Bay, and his yeah. his, his father, uh, they had come for, up from um, like Perry Sound and whatnot, and everybody had a bit of a different language like words for different things and they all sort of conglomerated to make sort of a, a unique okay. tomogamy um um a blend dialect language. sort of thing yeah. sort of like i guess the diff- it becomes a difference between montreal french and parisian french yeah you know they're both french you can understand but there's certain things that are or like saint john's you know, newfoundland and cornerbrook newfoundland it's all newfoundland <laughs> but it's newfoundland. hey i know that accent you're from cornerbrook yeah <laughs> so it was really cool to hear that. The fact that he went to that meeting and there's only four people that could still fluently converse in Ojibwe. They're losing their, four, they're losing yeah, their language. Losing. Well, and we talked uh, last week about the um, uh, Canadian Canoe Museum there with their new exhibits that are going to have the different oh, yes. uh, First so Nations be, languages yeah, and stuff yeah. too, right? That's so, a fantastic. Yeah, idea. They, they've, they've, it's, it's being lost and it's, it's a shame, mm-hmm. so. Anyway, uh, yeah, that was that was great. I, I was so happy Alex uh, sat down and uh, and would give his time to uh, chit chat with us. So, uh, other than that, it's been a long episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a long episode. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> got to do it once every every other week. Yeah. <laughs> you got anything else? You, you were supposed to be on a Brent run this week. Yes, I'm. I wasn't supposed to be here for this recording. Originally, the plan was for just you and Tracy to be recording. Yeah. Because I was supposed to be on the Brent run, but uh, Grant couldn't make his schedule work, so uh, we're going to do it another time. And so, sometime we're probably going to. It'll be October. Yeah. We're hoping we can make it happen and whatever. So we're going to see if we can do it. Uh, I've got a cedar canvas canoe. We're going to try and do a, uh, a an authentic Brent run trip with a cedar canvas. Just not racing for the time. No, not racing for the time. Yeah, yeah I'm not up for I that. think originally I it, it was three guys in a cedar canvas with peanut butter sandwiches. 
Oh, yes. You're right. That was the yeah. first time. Yeah. 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 So get a third person and they, <laughs> make they can make sandwiches. peanut butter sandwiches as you paddle. <laughs> yeah. So I was actually out today testing up my old canoe and uh, and it's 76 pounds. I got up on the scales with it and it's like, whoa. <laughs> well, just wait till you start paddling for a while and the water Soak up soaks some water. in. I know. When I first picked it up for the storage unit, it had been in storage for like 10, 12 years and uh, 14 years. It was in storage for 14 years. You haven't seen water thought, in 14 years? Exactly. So anyway, so I, I lifted it up, put it on the car, and it's like, wow, this is super light. But then it saw three rainstorms in, in the past four days. And so it's uh, it's gained some weight. I should have weighed it when I first pulled it out of storage. So I'm, it feels heavier now. Significantly Canoe needs heavier. to go on a diet. <laughs> yeah, needs to get dehydrated. <laughs> Freeze-dried. <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully you can uh, make it in October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With luck, weather dependent, right? Because, yeah. you know, it's weather so sketchy that time of year, but uh, we'll see. Maybe we can uh, get some other people to join us, make it a group trip, because we're not, like I said, we're not going to race. It's yeah. uh, it's just I'm not interested in racing it, but I'd like to do the... <laughs> hey, we're, I'm using a traditional cedar canvas canoe. And? Sucker What's your point? I'm not chicken. I'm not uh, chickening out. I'm uh, doing it proper. Authentic. They still went for the record. <laughs> and I will I will probably beat the original guy's record. <laughs> Eight days. <laughs> Me and Grant will beat oh, the original yeah. record. Nah, you know, I, like, you don't have to do it as a thing. Just enjoy the trip because it's a really cool trip going up and back. Yeah, it's a, it's a younger person's game to make the record. I think, well, as I recall, when you did it, Spoken the record Spoken like was, a true old guy. Yes. When you did it, you were aiming for 27, the time was 27 like 27 hours, hours yeah. and they round up or something, right? Yeah. And uh, so it was 27 hours. You guys did it, well, 40. you guys ended up sleeping, but like 40, 44 hours or something. But uh, yeah, it's- uh, once, those, once those winds hit- Yeah. You're done. Once you get a headwind, it's, uh, yeah. it's game over. Yeah. Can't if you can get them. it all the way without a headwind- Mm-hmm. You got a good shot. Tailwinds both ways. Yeah. Uphill <laughs> both ways. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else going? I do not. Uh, neither do I. Uh, if you want to find more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Or you can go to the episode page at battlingadventuresradio.com and listen to all our episodes there. And if you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends and family and fellow paddlers. Uh, John Van Berger, thanks for coming on tonight. Good luck on the, your trip. We'll hear from you in a week or two. And I think that's about it. Yeah. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.